Thank you, worship team. It is my uh, great joy to be filling in for Pastor Scott this week as he is out uh, hopefully getting a moose right about now or, or uh, doing that moosey thing that he likes to do. Um, so last week we were talking about serving. It was our ministry fair and life group kickoff and we had opportunities to, to sign up for different ministries and how to get plugged in in the church. And uh, if you missed that last week, those tables are still set up out in the foyer. You can take a look after the service and see where you might be able to, to plug in and to serve and to get active and get involved in what's going on and the things around us in our church. Uh, and so this morning, we're going to continue in that theme of serving and how to be doers of the word. And so if you'll take your Bible this morning and turn with me to the book of James, chapter 1. We're going to be in James, chapter 1. Starting in verse 22 this morning, <clears throat> and we're going to go through a couple different passages of scripture, but that's going to be our, our main kind of home verse that we'll refer back to throughout our time together this morning. So in James chapter 1, starting in verse 22, if you need a Bible, there's some under the seats in front of you. If you don't have yours, it's up here on the screen as well. So James, the half-brother of Jesus, wrote to uh, those believers in and around Jerusalem at this time, but it was also to those who had been scattered. So J James is aware that there were going to be people all over who were going to receive this letter, and it gives us encouragement, it gives us correction, it gives us a uh, word of how to live out being followers of Christ. So starting in chapter 22 of James 1, James writes, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. Amen. So it took me a couple times after I read this the first time to kind of understand this analogy James is giving about looking in a mirror, seeing what you look like, and then stepping away from the mirror and immediately forgetting what you look like. In fact, last time I went through this passage and I, I wrote a message on it, I had to ask my kids, I'm like, okay, let me tell you this analogy and you tell me what it means. And I told them the analogy and they're like, yeah, we get it, Dad. Why don't you get it? I'm like, I can't wrap my brain around it. So I kind of had to put it in a, in a sports analogy because that's my default. And I'm thinking of, all right, so this is similar to if I am a basketball player and I am spending hours and hours in the gym and I'm working on my dribbles and I'm working on my shots and I'm working on my passing and defense and all these things for hours at a time, putting in the work, and then game time comes and the coach says, get in there. And I run out on the court and I just stand there like, what do I do? I don't know how to play basketball. I've never done this in my life. It's kind of that same thing that James is trying to get at in this point here is that if we spend time in God's word, we hear it on Sundays, we read it in our daily reading plan, and we do all the work involved with learning the word, but then we step out and we don't apply it. And what are we doing? It's like looking in that mirror and saying, okay, mirror, I see myself. I got two eyes, two ears. 
I'm turning gray, but that's whatever. And I walk outside and I say, wait a second, what do I look like? I don't even remember my face. That's the same thing that James is trying to express to us here is that if we spend time reading God's word, we spend time hearing God's word, and yet we do nothing with it, we're missing the whole point of why God gave us his word. He didn't give us his word as a step to check the block off every day so that we can be good with God. He gave us his word to transform us, to change us into people to be like Christ to those around us, to serve, to love, to do all these things, to forgive those that we've been wronged by. This is what it means by being a doer of the word. And being a doer requires action. It requires obedience to God's word. So if we are obedient, we live it out. We're doers of the word. In verse 25 there it says, if we are not forgetful hearer, but we are a doer who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. So being obedient to God's word, putting our faith into action, doing what we have learned and being doers of the word, it's good for us, right? It's a good thing. In fact, it says that we will be blessed in what we do. And sometimes we get hung up on that word blessed because of all the prosperity junk that's out there. And if you, you send me $10,000 right now, you'll get a triple-fold blessing. That's not the kind of blessing that we're talking about here. This is the kind of blessing that God says, this is good for you. This is good for your life. This is good for your heart. This is good for your soul to be like me, to put on my attributes and to live it out to your neighbors. It's a blessing to you. If you help someone who's hurting, not only do they receive a blessing, but it's going to bless you. You teach Sunday school. Not only are you blessing those little kids, but man, it's going to be a blessing to you because you're being obedient and you're doing what I've called you to do. That's the blessing that James is talking about here. It's good for us to be obedient, to be doers of God's word. And not only is it good for us, but we'll also be blessed. And so with a piggyback off of what James is saying here. Turn with me to the book of Matthew. And uh, we've got about four main passages we're going to look at. We'll refer back to James. But Matthew chapter 7 is where we're going to be at this morning. So turn back to the first gospel in the New Testament in James 7, starting in verse 24. So Jesus has been teaching through chapter 5, chapter 6, and going into chapter 7. And he's teaching, uh, at this point, he's teaching his disciples, and he's giving them this analogy here of, of, of being a doer, basically, is what it boils down to. But there's some good stuff in here. So looking in verse, uh, chapter 7 of Matthew, starting in verse 24, Jesus says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words, so there's part one of being a doer, you have to hear it, you have to receive it. Whoever hears these words of mine and then acts on them, there's step two. Hear it, receive it. I got to do something with it. Whoever hears it and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house. Yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. 
It's like we sang this morning. How firm a foundation we are, and we our, build our house on Jesus. In verse 26, but everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew, and pounded that house, and it collapsed. It collapsed with a great crash. See the difference that Jesus gives in this, this parable about if we build our faith on the firm foundation, we hear it, and then we act on these things that we've heard, what does he say? Is what, it's, it's a wise man. It's wisdom. It's good for you to do these things. But for those who don't do these things, you hear God's word. We go and we sit through a Bible study, or we go to our daily devotional every day, and we read it, and then we do nothing with that. We don't act on that. When the rains come, and they're going to come. When the winds blow, they're going to blow. What happens to that foundation? It crumbles. It's not good when we don't live out in obedience what God's called us to do. In fact, Jesus says it's foolish. It's foolishness. If we don't, if we hear, then don't obey. So the first little note on there, uh, on your handout says, if we hear and obey, it's good for you. If we hear but don't obey, it's foolishness. It's not good for you. It's pretty simple what Jesus is trying to teach us there in Matthew chapter 7. And so, what do we do with that? Is it, is it something that should spur us on to want to do these things? And now, I'm not talking about just serving in church on Sundays. If you serve here on Sundays, praise the Lord, that's great. That's obedience. That's awesome. You're loving those around us. You're doing great works. This is saying to also hear and obey all of God's word. And apply it to our lives. Yes, serving is a huge aspect of that. But also, so is loving your neighbor that doesn't agree with you. So is um, helping widows and orphans. So is forgiving people who have hurt you. Lots of these things are living out God's word. Not just, well, I guess I should go and, and drive the bus across the state and take kids to camp. Yeah, that's wonderful. That's good for the kids. Blesses my heart. But that's not all of living out God's word. God's word means more than just serving our church. It's serving those around us, loving our neighbors, loving our difficult relatives who don't agree with us. Loving those who think we're weird for building a foundation on Christ Jesus. But we love them anyway. Because one day we're going to be able to share with them our testimony of our hope. Right? When the scripture tells us to be prepared to give an account, a testimony of our hope that we have, we'll be able to share with them why we believe in Jesus. And it might just start a spark. There's that old hymn, it only takes a spark to get a fire going. Sometimes that's all it takes. But if we don't share out of love for our neighbor, we might miss out, miss out on that blessing of blessing them and blessing us as well. And so, we're going to look in 1 Peter chapter, third, or chapter 1 real quick. So, again, Bible drill. All right, 1 Peter chapter 1, go. Sorry, it's the youth pastor in me coming out. 1 Peter chapter 1, <clears throat> starting at verse 13. So we're, 
We're, we're hearing in James, we're hearing in Matthew this pattern here of listening to the word, hearing the word, reading the word, taking it in, hearing it, trusting it, believing it, and then starting this pattern of what? Living it out afterwards, applying it, putting it into action. And Peter talks about that also in 1 Peter chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 13 through 16. And he says, therefore, with your minds ready for what? Action. Ready for action. Be sober-minded and set your hopes completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So being sober-minded means being clear-headed. Clear your thinking of everything else that will distract you. Pull you away from it. Be sober-minded and think on these things. Prepare your mind for action. Completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, there's that word again, hearing, listening, obeying. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance, foolishness again, but as the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. So in all your conduct, so that includes when I'm serving at church, I'm to be holy because God is holy. When I'm at church or, or when I'm at work and someone at the desk next to me is being, let's say, uh, someone who's not being very loving at that moment, in all my conduct, I'm to be loving towards them as well. And everything I do be holy, because God is holy. His obedient children, those who are trusting in Jesus and doing what he calls us to do. It's not called being a doer of the word by accident. It's because it requires action. We have to do what God's word teaches us. And Scott hit on that last week. He was talking about getting in the game you know, getting on the team, signing up for all these events and all these missions and things out there. That's being a doer. It's only a part of what God is trying to teach us here. Being a doer of the word requires a heart transformation, right? Not from going being a doer of what does me good, what's good for only me, looking out for number one like the world wants to teach us, but it's doing for those around us. Doing for the body of Christ, doing for those who don't know Jesus so that we might be a great representation of Christ in our community and to those around us. It's being holy because God in us is holy. His spirit is alive and in us makes us holy, not because of what we do, because of these works, but because of he who lives in us makes us holy. And therefore, we should be like Christ. Jesus didn't go around not being a doer of his own word. He healed people. He ministered to the sick. He even got called out for it. Why are you meeting with these tax collectors and these people? These aren't the kind of people you should be hanging out with. And Jesus said, I didn't come here for any other reason but to save sinners. I came to minister to those and to show those who are weak, those who are oppressed, those who are poor and meek and lowly in spirit, I came for them. And so we want to be like Christ. 
Jesus humbled himself, yes, to a point on the cross. That's the big picture. We, we, we know that as followers of Christ. But he came and he even humbled himself before he went to the cross. Put on a, took off his, his robe and, and tied an apron around him and sat at his disciples' feet and washed all 12 of those disciples' dirty feet. Why would he do such a thing? To show us what humility looks like, what servanthood looks like, and what being a doer of the word looks like. In fact, so much so that Peter was like, no, Lord, you are not washing my feet. And Jesus said, yes, I am, or you have no part of my kingdom. And Peter was like, all right, wash my feet. <laughs> because Christ himself was a servant, humbled himself, and was a doer of his own words. Right? And so we are to be ready for action, obedient children, and not as we once were in our ignorant ways when it was all about us, all about me. What can I get out of doing this? Maybe if I help this person who's stranded and they're stuck in the snow, maybe they'll give me a hundred bucks or whatever it is. We do it out of our compassion, our love for our neighbor. Out of I know what it feels like to be stuck in the snow and it's no fun. Maybe I should help this person out. We do it out of our love that Jesus has given us this desire to be doers of the word. And so, James, Matthew, Peter, we're leading up to Paul. It almost sounds like a band, Matthew, James, Peter, Paul. We're going to listen from Paul here in Ephesians. So, um, once we've heard, again, hearing, faith comes from what is heard and hearing, and it comes from what we've heard the message about Christ, we have to hear it first, and we have to believe it, we have to put it to action. Peter calls it, get ready for action. We'll see what Paul says here in Ephesians chapter 2, um, starting in verse 8. And this is why we have this desire in the first place, because of the grace that Christ has given us, right? Not of our own works but because of the grace that God has given us. And so, actually, we'll start in verse 4. I know I got 8 up here, but we're going to go to verse 4. Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 4. But God, anytime you see a verse preface with but God, you know something is about to happen. Something good is coming, right? But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us. He made us alive with Christ. Even though we were dead in trespasses, you were saved by grace. Amen. Not saved by works. Not saved by being doers. Being a doers comes later. Works comes later. This being saved by grace because of God's great mercy, even though we were dead, he's made us alive in Christ. Verse 6, he has also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus. Verse 7, so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So he's already given us this great grace, this great gift through Christ. But he's telling us about a coming grace that's still to come. Like, 
all the grace that we've received isn't even all the grace that we're yet to receive. Isn't that crazy if you think about it? That he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness in Christ Jesus. Verse 8. For you are saved by grace through faith. There's that hearing and believing part again. I have to have faith. I have to believe that it's true. Believe that Jesus is who he, said he, who he says he is. Believe that he can and did die for my sins and that he rose again. If I believe all those things and I have faith in him, we can be saved by grace through this faith. And this is not of yourselves. It's nothing that we could do. Nothing that I've done, nothing that I will do, nothing that it could ever be done by man's hands can ever receive God's salvation other than through grace. I can't earn it. I don't deserve it. But out of his great, rich mercy and love, he gives us this free gift that says in verse 9 or verse 8, it is God's gift. We can't earn a gift. A gift is freely given. We can't earn it. Verse 9, not from works. So we're talking about being doers. We're talking about being obedient. We're talking about doing these things and living out. We don't live it out so that we can receive grace. We've already received grace. We do it because we've received grace. We do it because God's kindness, he mercy, he took a wretched sinner like me and made me holy through Christ. He gave me a new heart. And out of that overflow of that love, an overflow out of that grace, I go and I do and become a doer of what he's given us in his word. Not because I want to earn brownie points with God. I'm already saved. He's already given me the grace, but I do it out of this love because I've know, I know what I used to be and what God has changed my heart and given me a new name and, and made me holy because he is holy. Now I go and do, and love, and, and, and help, whatever it is that God's calling us to. Maybe your ministry out there doesn't exist on one of these tables. Maybe what God has called you to do and a work that he's given you is outside this church walls. If it is, praise the Lord. That's great. But the fact is, at some point, we can't just talk about it. We got to do it. We got to be about it. And that's what we're reading in these passages. So back to verse 9. My Bible doesn't turn the page on me. Let's go back to verse 9. For you are saved by grace through faith and not of yourselves. It is God's gift. That's verse 8. Verse 9. Not from works so that no one can boast. Right? If it was works-based, then we could puff up our chest and say, look what I did. Look at what I did. Look at how I earned my salvation. But it's not of works so that I can't boast. So that if I boast, I boast in Christ. Because it's only through him that I can be saved, forgiven, and made new. In verse 10, all y'all VBSers should know verse 10. If you don't, we're about to read it anyway. Verse 10, for we are his worksmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. Ephesians 2.10. That was our VBS theme. And if you went to two VBSs this year, you should really know it. For we are his worksmanship. God created us to do works, to glorify him and to worship him, but to also do things for those around us, to serve others, 
to love our neighbor. That's the second commandment. The first is to love your God, the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second only to that is to love your neighbor as yourself. Loving your neighbor is something that doesn't come naturally. That's why it's important. God calls us and tells us we are to love our neighbor, not only love them, but love them as ourselves. We are to go and to do and to serve and to love those around us. Created in Christ Jesus for those good works which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. So just like that future grace that we're going to receive, there are more works for us to do that we don't even know yet. God's got things planned for us that we're going to do that may not even be on our radar yet. I mean, I guarantee you, when I first placed my faith and trust in God and received Christ as my Lord and Savior, and he started changing my heart, I never thought I would be taking kids on a bus in Alaska to Valdez to do VBS. But that's a word that God prepared ahead of time for us to do. And it wasn't, it was a blessing all around. It was a blessing for our youth, for our students to step out and lead. Man, I let them off the bus and they started working. I didn't have to do anything because we've been teaching them and equipping them and they've been like, where do you need us? We'll go cut wood. We'll go teach classes, whatever you need. It was a blessing to, the, to me. It was a blessing to our youth. It was a blessing to uh, the church in Valdez. It was a blessing to the kids who don't even go to church in Valdez. I mean, it's, I'm not trying to give a uh, bragging, but it just, it's, a, it's a point to say that I didn't know that God was going to do that. So there's something that he has in store prepared ahead of time for us to do. And then when that time presents itself, the answer should be, yes, Lord. Here I am, Lord. When he calls, just like when he called Samuel, and here I am, Lord. I mean, it took him a couple times to realize that he was being called, but the response, our heart response out of obedience should be, yes, Lord. Here I am, Lord. What do you need me to do, Lord? And so, just to sum up again, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, is that we don't do good things to receive his salvation. It's a free gift. The work's already been done. We are just simply to receive it. But once we receive it, now we should be spurred on to do things, to be doers of the word, not just do things in serving, but to do the word, live out the gospel, forgive people who've hurt us, love those around us, stop talking about people behind their backs, all these things that are, we're told not to do, that's what being a doer of the word is, is living out God's word, not just serving, but being a doer of his word. So, We've heard God's word. We've received from God's word. We believe it in our heart. We know Christ is our Savior. Now we do. And not just hear the word and do nothing with it, but we hear it, we receive it, and now, as Peter wrote it, we should be called into action. Prepare our minds to action, to do, do things. 
And so what are some of the things that are being a doer of the word require of us? What are some of the things that calls us to do? Um, God's word tells us to not neglect the gathering of the saints. That's something that we should be doing as a doer of the word. We should be gathering with God's people, fellowshipping with those around us. Public proclamation of scripture. We should be receiving, hearing God's word preached to those around us. Um, we forgive. I've already used that example. We forgive those who have wronged us. Man, I've held on to stuff for a long time before I lived out forgiveness. And to forgive, man, it doesn't just do that other person good. It does us, probably does us better than anybody else to let go of that anger, that frustration, whatever it is, forgiveness is good. It's living out God's word. Uh, it's also loving our neighbors. Who is my neighbor? Disciples asked Jesus, and he told them, whoever you come in contact with is your neighbor. Doesn't just have to be the person that lives on the left or right of you. Everybody that we encounter is our neighbor. Um, it's not talking bad about people. Instead, it's exhorting and encouraging one another. We build each other up, right? That's living out in God's word. That's being a doer. It's giving, giving of our time, giving of our resources, giving of ourselves, um, not just to the church, but to those who are in need. It's being a doer of the word. It's out of this overflow of grace that God's given us. It's not done out of obligation. If we're giving and helping and, and meeting needs of those around us because it feels like we have to do it, then we're missing the point. It's not done out of obligation. It's done out of love for those around us. What are some other things we do to be doers? We do things that equip those around us. We want to be equipping our brothers and sisters in Christ to be doers of the word, to live it out, to, to make disciples of all nations. We do things that serve. We do things that build God's kingdom. Right, if we do a lot of stuff that is just for earthly treasures and earthly gain, then we're still missing the mark. We want to do things that equip those around us and do things that is going to have kingdom impact and eternal value. Right? Spending time with, a, with a, a young person, spending time with somebody who is new to the faith, spending time with someone you know is lost, but yet you want them to know Jesus, that has eternal value. Loving on them, speaking truth to them has eternal value. We do what his word says because it calls us to be obedient children because it's good for us. It's like that parable in the house of the solid rock and the house in the sand. It's good for us. It's good for us to build our lives on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Amen? Because the parable tells us it's good. It's wise. To hear it and to not do it is foolishness. So we want to build our foundation, build our lives on Christ and on the things of his kingdom because it's good for us. It's good for us.
And then we do because, like First Peter said, we are called into action to participate in the things of God's kingdom, not, like we talked about last week, not just being on the sidelines, cheering on the work, but getting on the field, getting on the team, being a part of what God is doing. We want to be participators in God's kingdom. Not a spectator on the snow. So we, we, we get this privilege to participate in what God is doing. Right? We don't have to, but we get to be a part of something that's changing people's lives, be a part of something that's encouraging those around us. We get to be a part of seeing somebody who was dead in their trespasses become alive in Christ. That's a privilege. We should want to participate in these things that help build God's kingdom. We get to get in the game. We get to be, uh, make a difference. Get our hands dirty and be doers of the word for God's glory. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for your word. God, we thank you for this grace that Paul talks about that is the only way by which we can be saved, yet you give it to us freely. You give it to us out of your great mercy and out of your great love because you desire to see us restored. You desire to see us redeemed and brought back into relationship with you. Father, we thank you that you allow us you give us this privilege to be participators of your kingdom. God, Lord, help us to love others, to serve others, to, to be doers of the word and not just hearers only. Father, we give you praise this morning. We thank you for what you're doing in our hearts and our lives, what you're doing in our church. Father, help us to grow to walk in the freedom that you give us to serve those around us. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.